Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Manifesting Money Podcast. My name's Anita Aguilar. I am your host, as well as a money mindset coach, a manifesting expert, and so are you, and I'm going to show you how, and the CEO of a multi-million dollar company teaching manifestation. This podcast's purpose is to bring massive consciousness around the world of money manifestation, and we want to share our stories to truly help you understand that money is just energy. It's an unlimited resource that you can tap into at any given point in time. The way that you feel about money is how it shows up for you. So if you have the limiting belief that you have to work super hard for money, this podcast is for you. I'm going to be sharing the things that I personally learned the hard way, but I'm also going to be sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and stories of those who truly healed their relationships with money and have mastered attracting abundance. Now, without further ado, let's get right to it. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Manifesting Money Podcast. I am super happy and grateful for each and every one of you listening to this podcast, whether you're a new listener, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are a long-term listener, you've been here since day one, thank you so much for your loyalty and coming back and investing your time and energy into the podcast. I promise we got a solo episode coming up soon because there's so many downloads and shifts that are happening in the universe right now. So all of you who are maybe feeling tired, exhausted, know that Mercury is in retrograde. Usually that means that technology can be a little wacky. You're maybe going through a shamanic death where you are releasing an old version of yourself. So if you're feeling heavy, you're feeling tired, just allow yourself to feel those emotions. I have a couple announcements before we get to our podcast guest today. And first things first, if you haven't already registered for the free three-day manifesting money workshop, make sure you do so. We're going to be hosting it May 24th, 25th, and 26th. And our guest speaker, Chris Lee, is actually a neuroscientist. I am so giddy to be talking all things about the brain and really understanding what is happening in the body when you are feeling that fear stress and anxiety. So on this free three-day manifesting money workshop, we're going to be giving the tools and the resources that really help break down those fears and also calm your nervous system. So one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that when I have the money, then I won't stress anymore. I won't have to worry about money. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. And there's so much more to the story and so much work that has to be done. And we're excited to teach you all of the things that we know about this specific topic and especially how it applies to money. So the link is going to be in my bio. Of course, we're giving you giveaways and rewarding you for investing this time and energy. So make sure you sign up and tune into the workshop. Hop on this wave of the quantum leap that's happening right now. Next up, we have our weekly testimony. We literally get testimonies like this all of the time. And this is our thank you for not only sharing these testimonies with us, but for doing the work. So this testimony is from Creative Chameleon. She says, Anita, girl, your knowledge and your service with money manifestation is so magic. This is the best manifestation I've done. (laughs) You just get it and you're so genuinely authentic about your teachings from your own lessons and experiences. I just finished up day three of the three-day manifesting money workshop. Within 48 hours of day one, I manifested $200 and I'm going to keep doing the work and exercises with my money mindset and keep expanding the amount. You make it so easy and comprehensible. 
with all your tools and steps to take. Thank you so much. And may you continue to change lives, many, many people's lives. Oh, so good. So again, this testimony was from Creative Chameleon. She looks like a makeup artist. So good. So thank you so much for sharing this. And now we can get into today's podcast episode. I'm very excited for you guys to hear from JT Barnett. So he is actually somebody I found on TikTok. And our team was hooting and hollering when we got the news that he was going to be on the podcast. And we're so happy and grateful for his time because he's actually really known on social media for connecting creatives and influencer marketing. So really helping manifest that money both ways and really bridging the gap. So if you are either somebody who likes making videos like myself, I record everything and they're just so fun for me, or maybe you're somebody who um, it is not your path of least resistance to make the videos, but you know that it would help your business so much, then connect with JT after this episode. Some things that we talk about on this episode is his story about how he had a whole other identity and plan set in stone for himself until it all shifted and it was out of his control. So I know a lot of you are either going through the shift right now, so I'm really excited for you to hear the other side of that and also know of how important it is for you to continue to follow the path of least resistance. JT's story from that point, you really get to see what happened when he allowed life to happen to him and not force everything. That was something that was so huge from this episode that I really, really wanted to do a recap on is just allowing things to be and looking at all of the opportunities that manifested once he really tapped into that creative side and that passion of having a business. So without further ado, I'm gonna get to our podcast episode. Please, please, please tag us both on Instagram after you listen. And we're just so happy and grateful to have him on the podcast. Hi friends. Welcome back to the Manifesting Money Podcast. I am super happy and grateful for our guests today. Today we're going to be talking about all things TikTok. And JT, I just wanted to give you a proper introduction before we get started for our listeners. So JT Barnett is a former professional hockey player turned founder, creator, and strategist. He's built multiple TikTok accounts accumulating over 1 million uh, followers through various accounts that he's worked with. He's also he also runs Barnett X, where he teaches businesses how to create on TikTok and headhunts creators to be the face of the brands. So there's a lot of things I want to dive into with your specific niche. Um, but before we get started, we'd love to do rapid fire and just get to know Ooh, you a little cool. bit. So, okay. um, are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. What is the first thing that you do as soon as you open your eyes in the morning? I just got a dog. Uh, And so the first, uh, we just got a dog two weeks ago. And actually we're dog sitting one of our friends as well. So this morning when I woke up, I had two dogs in the bed with us. And when I woke up, I honestly thought, she's my French, but I was like, fuck, this is awesome. uh, Uh, So it's been great. Yeah, we're stoked. We're really stoked. That is so cool. Yeah, French away. We love the uh, the authenticity here on our platform. But that is so cool. And honestly, I have a little baby Yorkie, and she's with my um, my parents in Nebraska. And I miss that moment of what you're talking about right now. <laughs> so pretty cool. Yeah, I'm like not wanting him to grow. I'm like, dude, oh. you're growing way too fast. Like, so yeah, we're just trying to like soak it up right now. Ah, uh, so good. So our second rapid fire question is, what is your favorite book? That's a tough one. Um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek is a really good one. I, I, I want to caveat that by saying I'm not a massive reader. I like doing, I learn a little bit better from either audiobooks or podcasts or summaries like that. But uh, in terms of like book, 
I would say Start With Why by Simon Sinek is one that I really like. Ooh, so good. Any any specific podcasts that you tune into? Podcasts? Yeah, I love, uh, I listen to a lot of Gary Vee. I like Gary Vee a lot. Um, I like Jay Shetty. I think Jay Shetty is good. I like uh, Huberman Lab, uh, which is by Eric Huberman, who's mm-hmm. another, who's a okay. doctor that's uh, very smart as well. Um, so it kind of depends on the mood. Mm, yeah, we love all of those resources. And we'll put them in the show notes for everybody listening to so they can get in that same energy. So our next question is, who is your first mentor? And it doesn't specifically have to be business or anything, but who comes to mind when I say your first mentor? In life, my first mentor would be my dad. Yeah, Um, would probably be my dad. Uh, I think I learned a lot from him. He was a hockey player that turned a business executive, which is a very similar route to what I am following right now. So Mm -hmm. I would say my dad was my first mentor. And then from there uh, would be pro hockey players that I got to watch Mm. through my dad representing them. Wow. That's so cool. I got chills in my legs when you said that. Wow. That's awesome. Shout out your dad. What's your dad's name? Mike. 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 Shout out Mike. (laughs) Shout out Mike. So our last rapid fire question for you is what was the first investment that you made in yourself and how much was it? First real investment that I think I made in myself would probably be um, therapy, actually. I think that that's probably a good one to start with because I think after therapy was like starting to invest into products like new computer and desk and office and all of that. But I think before that would be like therapy, personal trainer, Mm. uh, like more like physical or well-being kind of things. Because uh, I think that's more of like my foundation. And then after that, it's like business and all that. So I think therapy would be the first one that I'd be like, I was like, shit, am I really going to spend like 200 bucks for a, for 45 minutes to talk with somebody? And um, and now, obviously, I'm looking back at it. And I'm like, I probably would have paid it a thousand. Mm. Um, so uh, super beneficial. And I would say that that is, that is definitely one of the first investments that I was like, you need to invest in yourself. Mm, wow. Oh, I just even love your perception of that investment now looking back and feeling that fear when you did have that come up like, in the beginning, right? Like, I don't know if, if I should spend the money. And I think a lot of people who are listening to this right now are also within that same maybe situation in different areas. And I want to thank you yeah. for being vulnerable and sharing that. So good. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like, geez, that's a whole nother topic of therapy being so expensive mm. in the world. Uh, but that was definitely something that I was like, oh, wow, this is pricey. Is it worth it? And mm. I think anything, um, this is a good kind of like tangent for this podcast is like, you really do get what you pay for. Mm. And that's a thing that's a lesson that I learned continually, especially as a business owner, when you're like, oh, we could do this for a little bit cheaper. Mm. or we could pay full price for this. And you always like want as a business, you're trying to like, see like, where can we save money on things? But time after time, again, me and my fiance both learn the lesson of you really do get what you pay for. Mm. And it is always worth it to invest in quality when you can, because what you don't, what you lose with the quality you pay up Mm. in the mistakes and the learnings, and so I just think like that's a great example of like, you know, it's, it is expensive, but it's so worth it and it pays returns 10x that over time. 
Oh, yes, that's so good. I, I definitely want to get back to that in the, in the end of this podcast. Again, just really kind of seeing how to build that trust of, am I investing in this because it's something that I need right now? Or is this something that um, it would just make way more sense for me to hire someone opposed to learn about it? Again, you're, way, you're not wasting time, but again, really just cutting out the middleman when it comes to learning all those uh, steps. So huge, huge, huge topic I wanted to um, go over today, but kind of looking back at your story, and I'm so grateful that you share a lot of your story on TikTok too. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing those things because it really helps people relate. Um, I think unconsciously we put people on pedestals because of social media in general, but also the, the success that manifests so fast. So one of my questions that I had from one of your recent videos was talking about how your worst coaches and your worst bosses have actually given you the most valuable lessons and skill sets. Um, for people who have not seen that video or are not very conscious of what we're talking about, what would you tell them about having people, uh, those negative experiences and flipping it into something valuable? Um, I really just think that perspective is such an important factor in all the things that you go through in life. And so for me, uh, hockey was one thing that like I could view as being either a failure or being like, Oh, I didn't make it. I wasn't good enough. Or, uh, look at it as like that, those coaches and those teams and da, 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 and it wasn't my fault and da, 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 mm. and just all of that and kind of go down that rabbit hole. And so it's taken me now time after retiring to kind of sit with it and be like, you know what? all of that shit that happened was actually good and it was actually working for me and here's how it happened for me. And now I have a different perspective on it. Uh, and the perspective that I have now is those coaches that I didn't love mm. at the time uh, actually really left me with some really good um, kind of like intrinsic lessons that were super, that are super invaluable that are very beneficial to me. And in that video, I think I, mentioned like one of them was um learning how to take care of myself mm. like uh you know when you go when you're in an environment that isn't ideal and you're not 100 percent in control of it um a lot of the times you end up needing to learn how to take care of yourself in your off time and so for me every time that i was in a situation like that i really leaned on the like self-care and like, you know, the things that I actually could control, which was like, when I leave the rink, I can go on a walk or I can go and like, you know, take, uh, go and like uh, work out or do something that's like productive for me that, or that like fuels me and fills me up um, so that I'm not just like completely getting like, you know, pulled in the wrong direction 24 seven. So learning to take care of myself was a big part of that. The second thing that I mentioned in that video was, learning to not just look at things as a negative, but to try and see the positive in situations and people that maybe have different opinions than you. Mm. Um, I wholeheartedly did not agree with some of the things that my coaches looked the way that they looked at things or just the way that they structured things. And, uh, and in that disagreeing is like, you know, it's still, it's okay to disagree and still have respect for the person and still like, you know, be like, I, I still, um, I still like want to send love to this person and like hope that they're well. I don't agree with the way that they are doing things, but 
that doesn't mean I have to hate them and not wish them well and, or anything like, and resent them and all of that. So that was the second one of like learning that it's okay to, to disagree with people, but still send them respect. Um, and then the third one was really being able to see what it takes to get people to rally behind an idea as a good leader. Um, I was on a handful of teams that were super successful and I got to see what it took for those leaders mm -hmm. to get the team to rally behind them. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I saw teams that were very unsuccessful mm -hmm. or teams that crumbled. And I got to see what the leaders on that team were doing that uh, people either, you know, ended up not wanting to follow them or follow their lead or, uh, or they're it just kind of like internally uh, exploded. And so I just got to see like both ends of that spectrum. And it gave me a lot of like understanding of like, Oh, what do people really want in a leader? Um, and that is some stuff that now I take into my business and like how I lead my team and how I lead people in the community. Ah, so good. Uh, I'm taking so many notes and I want to recap on a lot of the things that you just said. So the first cool. thing that you talked about was being in uh, an environment that you can't control. So everything that you just mentioned really reminds me of being in the military. Um, and just for anybody who's listening right now where you are in situations where you physically can't control what's happening in your day-to-day -day or, you know, for, from certain time frames, um, you talked about really just taking advantage of the time that you can control and the things that you can control. So um, an example that you gave was walking. That has been coming to the surface in our energy so much. And I feel like the most abundant people in our energy are like going for walks right now. I, I feel like there's nothing that says... I have all the time in the world and I have all the money in the world that I can just go walk around in the middle of the day. Um, and so I really love that example. Um, the second one that you touched on was agree, uh, disagreeing with people and really learning from that and feeling that discomfort. Um, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about um, <laughs> when, when people don't agree with us, we take it personally and allowing yourself to not only feel that discomfort of like, okay, that doesn't feel good. And that's not true to me, but also really identifying with your own beliefs. It was huge. Um, and I want to point that out for our listeners because look at like, this is a prime example of how you were still be able to give that person love and light, but also say, Hey, you know, that doesn't feel good to me. It's not my truth. Um, the third thing that you talked about was leadership. Again, this is really reminding me of the military, <laughs> especially when you give the examples of what people should not be doing, um, because you learn from other people's mistakes. And I also got that you were able to see what it was like to be a leader because you you physically saw somebody else do it and learn from the things that they did right and what felt good to you. So <laughs> amazing examples. And I know our listeners are really going to resonate with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. The second one um, I wanted to touch on a little bit of like disagreeing because um, I just, I think um, it's so ingrained in us mm. that there's like a right and a wrong and black and white. And I think that things are just more gray. Like I just think that there's just more of, there's more nuance to things. There's more shades than just black and white. Mm. And, and so um, learning that and being like, oh, just because I don't have the same opinion as him doesn't mean that I'm right and he's wrong or he's right and I'm wrong. Like, there, we could both be right at different times. Mm. And, like, I, it's okay for me to have my own opinion and him have his own opinion. And we can still coexist and we can still be 
in the same room. We can still like, you know, have conversation, all of that. It doesn't need to be like a butting of heads immediately just because somebody doesn't have an, the same opinion as you. And I think that that comes with a lot of like just being um, uh, feeling good about yourself and mm-hmm. your own decisions. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's a big, a big lesson uh, to learn. And I think that that's something that for me now has reframed a lot of the past hockey and experiences that I've had of like, shit, like I didn't look at things the same way, but that doesn't mean I need to hate them. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I need to resent them. I can still love them and be like, Hey, it wasn't for me, but cool. Do your thing. And I'm going to do mine. Oh, yes. So beautiful. Yeah. We, we, a phrase that we use a lot is nothing is good or bad. It just is. And you, you totally. put, that was a great um, analogy of it. Too. I love analogies. <laughs> They're like my favorite thing in the world. So kind of going back to your story again, um, you talked about how, you started off your career as a hockey player, a professional hockey player. And I think this is really important for our listeners to hear, to not only see of like all the things that you went through that led you to this, because again, some people are in the thick of it right now where they can't see how it's going to manifest into this luxurious lifestyle. Um, But you talk about a story of how you didn't get accepted to some teams. I'm thinking this is how I interpreted it. Um, and you ha- that is what forced you to start what you're doing today. So if somebody else is in that position right now where they have no other choice but to figure out something else, um, what would you not only tell them to tell them looking back, but also really just kind of looking at all of the time and energy that you invested into that first half of your life and not seeing it as time wasted or I should have done this or I should have done that. So rewinding a little bit, I thought that hockey was going to be my forever career. Uh, like if you would have talked to me in 2016, I would have told you, 2015, 16, I would have told you, I'm going to play hockey forever. I'm going to be 52 years old and I'm going to be on this team still on the ice, player and coach at the same time, probably single because I'm married to the game. And that's going to be what I do. And then life had other uh, plans for me. And I got, I ended up getting cut from a team that I thought I was going to make, Mm. um, and didn't have, uh, and didn't have options after that. Like, you know, other teams were full. So it wasn't like I had a backup plan that I had planned for because I was my agency and my, the team around the staff around me, uh, were confident that I was going to make a certain team. And so we were like, let's not, we don't need to prepare for a a backup plan because this is going to be a shoe in. That didn't work, so I got cut from that team, and I ended up in a place where I had like no, really no options, and it kind of just at that moment dawned on me that I was like, oh, like I'm this is this is going to be the end of this career. Like I'm no longer going to play hockey anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, I was starting to talk to and spend more time with who is now my fiance. And so mm. that was definitely another big portion of it. It was like this door shut and now this other one is kind of opening that your girlfriend is showing you. And so I was like, all right, like I'm going to actually go do something else that I have really enjoyed, which is the creative work and making content and doing all the social media stuff. And as soon as I started doing that, it was like, oh, 
this is like really what I was meant to be doing. And I feel like, so, um, the way I would put it before is when I was playing hockey, I felt like I almost needed to force myself to get it on teams and show up and be stoked about it. And it just felt like a lot of, um, I enjoyed it. So I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it just felt like there was a lot of just forcing. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel easy. It didn't feel seamless. It just felt like, oh, we really got to make that team. And it's been so hard to make these teams. And why isn't it working? And then I got to go play here. And there's issues with this team. And there's issues with the city. And there's just like, it just felt forced. And then as soon as that all happened, and it was like, oh, this is like, this might be completely done with this. And then it was like, oh, this is now time for us to finish. Um, As soon as I got into the next thing, uh, the content was just like, it's natural. Like mm-hmm. It just feels more ease. It feels more light. It feels more in, intense, intentional. It feels more like I actually am having an impact on people that I want to have an impact on with hockey. I feel like I was having an impact on myself and my family and not mm. me going on the ice and playing hockey was not changing the world and was not impacting all these other people around me. Whereas right now I feel like, I actually can impact other people by doing things like this and putting myself out there. And so I just feel like more, it just immediately felt more aligned. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll say to the people that were, that are maybe like in that kind of a position as well, where they maybe don't know exactly what's next. And they're kind of at a place where they're like this kind of, this thing seems like it's ending and I don't know what is next is really trust yourself and first spend time with yourself to, mm-hmm. see, to see what your intuition is is telling you or what your heart is, is telling you uh, which way to move and and then trust that like trust what feels right and what feels good and not what feels comfortable and what feels um uh practice mm. what feels actually good and what feels actually intentional um and that was what i did i was like i retired i was like shit i don't know what i'm gonna do and then i was like wait a minute I do know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do content. That's what I've been wanting to do. And I'm going to follow that. And I don't know what I'm going to do it for, for money. I don't know what I'm going to do for a job, but I'm going to go after it. And that was what I did. Ah, okay. I just get so excited about this. Um, I don't know if you can hear these little voices or these little tunes. Can you hear mm-hmm. that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's... <A little> bit. <laughs> They'll hear it on the podcast, but... Uh, I just have to break this down because one, I find so much of my story in what you're saying right now, but I also see it so much for my clients and pretty much everybody that I've um, like interviewed on the podcast. It's like, it's crazy to see how in sync everybody in our energy is once you notice that again, kind of that shift where you're talking about where it felt forced, right? You really loved doing that and it was enjoyable but it was always I need this I need that and one of the biggest things that we talk about on the podcast is releasing the attachment and you know being really tied to like yes I'm gonna go for it and this is gonna happen but at the same time if it doesn't happen I'd be okay and so the part Mm -hmm. in your story where it dawned on you that this isn't what I'm gonna be doing anymore I, I got chills when you said this because I know a lot of people on the podcast are in that shift right now where it it is dawning on them. But I think a lot of times people unconsciously just move to the next thing instead of allowing it to happen. Like, like in your story, how you, again, just really allowed yourself to see what 
you like and what you don't like. Um, and just really grieve that old version of yourself too, right? It's, it's a shift in the identity. And a lot of times, like, if we don't process that at that time, it may come up later down the line. <laughs> For me personally, when I, I used to be a makeup artist and I loved doing makeup, but it was the same situation. It felt so forced. Coaching was so easy for me. I was always talking about manifestation. Um, and they kind of uh, realized, oh, go, oh, go ahead. I, I want, to, uh, I want to, to say something because I feel like it's important to say um, the game didn't end for me. It just got redirected. Mm. And so I feel, like, I feel like I'm still playing hockey, but I feel like it's just in a different arena now. Pro sports has now shifted to business, and mm. I look at business as a sport. And now when I look back at it, it's like, oh, do I feel like that dream that I wanted actually got crushed and I never fulfilled that dream and like it, it, it just completely ended? Not at all. I look back at the pro sports stuff and I'm like, what was the shit that I really enjoyed in, in that sport? And am I still doing that? And every single one of them is 100% yes. So I don't, so I think for people that are like in this place where they're like, oh, it, my dream is dying. I'm getting cut from a team or I'm getting, my job's getting, uh, I'm getting fired from a job or a relationship or whatever. I urge you to look at the things in that setting that you really love and I will guarantee you that in the next thing, if they actually are things that you love, you'll find them there too. Mm. Oh, so good. Hi, friends. I just want to take 60 seconds to announce something that our team has been working on to help serve our community. So the announcement is that we are hosting a free three-day manifesting money workshop this month. So this is our thank you for tuning into the podcast and really just giving back to our community when it comes to understanding how to educate yourself and educate yourself on your money stories. So this free three-day manifesting money workshop is going to be hosted on the 24th, 25th, and 26th of this month at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for all people on the East Coast. So the reason why we put together this workshop is because there's so many people who are in our community who either have the fear of not having enough money so ingrained into their subconscious mind and their nervous system, as well as the fear of running out even after you have the money. So we're really excited to announce our guest speaker, which is Dr. Chris Lee. Oh my gosh, we're so excited to have him. He is a brain coach and he is going to be teaching you how to create safety in the body. So again, if you are somebody who either has a fear of not having enough money or fear of running out of money, or even when everything is fine, your brain is still telling you that you don't have enough, then this workshop is for you. So again, we're really excited to see you on May 24th, 25th, 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And again, we have giveaways for those of you who are investing time and energy into this workshop. So if you haven't already registered, make sure you go down to the bottom of the link and register and give Chris and I a shout out on Instagram when you get your link. So we're so excited to see you on this free workshop and let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I, I, that kind of goes to the next part of what I wanted to break down of what you just said was allowing yourself to look at those things. Like it takes time to look at the things that you liked and you didn't like. Um, so you talk a lot about this with our relationships with money, right? What are the things that are good and what are the things that we can work on? And just that, like there is a lot of work that needs to be done, but it's exactly what you 
you did, right? Allowing yourself to just process, okay, like what feels good. <laughs> and the, like I said, writing those things down or whatever it looked like for you. Um, another part I really wanted to point out in here is uh, the fact that you met your fiance within the shift and how like, you don't think that that would have manifested if you were, again, so married to the sport of what you were playing um, and just how that door opened and sometimes you know we talk about the law of polarity how things are always going to be up and down and like it's literally a universal law and once we can become very conscious of that we start to see that sometimes just different areas of our life need certain certain focus and how that manifested for you in the realm of love is so awesome to hear and just see again the end result now looking back uh, another thing that I wanted to point out from what you're talking about is the alignment, right? Just really, again, that detachment. Like, I don't know how I'm going to make the money, but I just know that this feels good. I'm going to work on this and I just know that something is going to work out. And I think a lot of times we unconsciously um, force the money to come to us through one way and if it doesn't come through this one way then it doesn't count or it doesn't matter and your story is a perfect example of just allowing the process to unfold and letting it manifest completely completely agree and i think um when you were saying that it made me think about a lot about like abundance versus scarcity or survival mm. and i think um I just don't think people are taught enough about having a, a mindset of abundance and mm. just like looking at things as like, Oh, there is more. If it's, even though it might not be logical, there is more that is coming to me or resources that are out there or are within me that I, that I do have access to that. It just maybe it, sometimes it takes a little bit of creative thinking. Sometimes it takes situations for it to kind of like, for you mm. but um i just think people are more there is more good around you than you realize mm. and so that was something that i tried to like really intentionally search for when i was going through this transition is like oh no this isn't happening to me this is happening for me this is a good thing this is like this is going to be something that really does help me in a very good way um and i'm going to be happy with it and so I think that that is something that if you're not, if that's not instilled in you automatically, you don't just already have that mindset based off of parenting or something like that. Um, I would urge you to try and practice that too, because it really does change a lot when you actually are intentionally looking for the good around you. Um, so yeah, I just kind of felt like saying that. <laughs> yeah, so good. Straight up channeling over here. It's so, it's so beautiful to see again, um, you saying this, and I, this has been coming to the vortex a couple of times lately, but um, is that, you know, someone's going to hear it differently simply because you said it, right? Because maybe, one, you're in professional sports, you're male, your age, where you're from, right? Ethnicity, there's so many different things that, you know, it. I, I could say the same thing all day long. And sometimes we see scenarios like that, like couples where the girlfriend or wife has been telling the husband the whole time. The whole time. Um, but it's when someone like you where it resonates a little bit more to different frequency when it comes out that it actually clicks. And so thank you for mm -hmm. touching on that because, you know, our biggest thing is, um, is that it's not that there's not a lot of work to be done. 
there is a lot of work. It's just different. It's not the hustle grind anymore. It's really just, again, allowing yourself to get clarity before we take action and take aligned action um, opposed to getting back into those places of what you said of scarcity and survival mode and really operating at the the fight or flight and uh, that becomes our point of attraction so i'm very curious with your story when it came to that shift right you started your business um so i would love to know a little bit more about what that shift was like like what were the steps what were some of the wins what were some of the biggest pain points for the people you were working with with tiktok and how did that manifest um so yeah i started when i got retired i started making videos around fitness, health, and wellness. I actually, because I was like, okay, I'm going to need to make money. I don't have a massive profile right now. Right now I'm not a influencer that's doing brand deals. I need to do personal training and I will film workouts outside of my personal training. And that will be how I start to build it. So I started doing that. Eventually built my profile up to be big enough to where I could start working with some brands. And that became more of my income. And then from there, Uh, fast forward a little bit, I was still doing that. And in a sense, when the pandemic started, and when the pandemic started, I was kind of, uh, I knew content was my, I knew content was going to be my bread and butter. I knew that that was going to be like my main thing. But I wasn't fully in love with the process of making health and wellness content. Mm. My fiance is a health and wellness creator. She absolutely lives, eats, eats, sleeps, breathes, creating content around health and wellness. I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it in a sense where I'm like geeking out about it. I actually have this whole other side of me that's a little bit more like into tech and business and marketing and a little bit of that side. And so I was kind of like a little bit over the the fitness, health and wellness content I was making. TikTok started and I started posting videos on TikTok and those started getting traction. So I started putting more energy into TikTok. And then I had a conversation with one of my friends in New York. And he called me and was like, hey, TikTok is being is big right now. It's being pushed more and more. People are loving it. Everybody's getting on it. Um, and these TikTok houses are becoming a thing. There's Hype House right now that has Charlie D'Amelio in it. There's Sway House that has Bryce Hall and Noah Beck and all these other TikTokers. And the thing that's missing right now, there's no TikTok houses that are above the age of 25. Mm. Why don't we do a TikTok house? And almost have it like MTV Real World for any millennials that are listening. Cool. MTV Real World, but do it all on the platform of TikTok. And so that was what we did. And we called it Honey House. So we moved everybody into a house for 30 days during the pandemic, an Airbnb, 10 people in a house. And we filmed on TikTok what would be considered like the new age kind of like real world. But we did it with a health and wellness kind of spin and positivity and all that because you were in a pandemic pandemic and we want people to enjoy being in a house with people for 30 days, not, uh, not like a actual real reality show. And so that account went from, we were doing it for 30 days. It went from zero to 500,000 in 30 days. Then we took a two week break, another 30 days and it went from 500,000 to 1.1 million. And that happened for me. And when, when that happened, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to teach people how to do content. Um, and I, and I had, and then I had brands come to me and ask me how to do it. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take on a couple of these brands, teach them and see how it goes. And when it went well with them, that was an aha moment for me that I was like, this is going to be my company. I'm going to teach brands TikTok and I'm going to make TikToks around how to do business and all of that. And that's what I do now. 
Oh, so good. <laughs> we just love to hear one, like how you, again, learn from that past experience of like, okay, this is enjoyable. This is fun, but it's also not the number one thing that's lighting me up because that's like, oh, it's like something you can teach someone, but you really have to go through the experience to know what exactly what it is. So how you were able to use that to see even say, okay, health and wellness has has been enjoyable, but I now am shifting to find something that's a little bit more in alignment. And just seeing that process alone is so cool. Um, and then just seeing the need and um, really finding what your passion was and not only with yourself, but other people and putting that into one space. I'm a millennial, so I, MTV, I know what you're talking about. And I just think that's so funny, so cool. And even I'm a huge numbers person too. So zero to 500, I'm like, oh, that is so cool. And, you know, it just, it really does go to prove of, how big TikTok is. Like TikTok is something that a lot of people are underestimating. Like even today when I tell people that I'm a TikToker, whatever, that I don't know what how I, people identify it. Like when they have this negative belief about it, it hurts my heart because one, it is so fun. And I get to meet amazing people like yourself. And it's just a creative space. Like the energy on the app is completely different from Instagram. And it's also amazing to see, again, how you just took that aligned action and then the opportunities came to you. Totally agree. The, um, the feeling of TikTok is something that really pulled me into the platform because I was coming from Instagram. Instagram was my thing. Instagram was this platform that really took me into social media as a personality. Mm. And like, you know, it was the first platform that people could build around themselves and in their faith and that what they're up to. And, um, and so I loved it, but I think we just with Instagram got a very filtered version of ourselves and that's not everybody. Like, I don't think that I'm filtering too much on Instagram and like, I'm not face tuning and doing like, you know, <laughs> but I do think that that is like the consensus of the platform was glorified highlight reel content performs better. Um, and so I think TikTok just came at the right time. It was like pandemic. It was like people being over Instagram. It was like, there was just a lot of different things that needed to happen for people to be like, oh, it's the right time for something else and to, uh, for people to get a breath of fresh air. And TikTok just like prioritized, TikTok came and prioritized different things. Mm -hmm. TikTok chose to prioritize low produced, authentic, raw, relatable content. That was what they produced. That's what they, that was what they prioritized. They prioritized Charlie D'Amelio, who is a very normal person and really wasn't like, she wasn't filtering and face tuning and doing anything. She's like a normal kid. And so when you can tell that they wanted to prioritize other things than Instagram did, and that is why they are where they are right now. They, they did it a way that people wanted. Uh, so that's why I love the platform. <laughs> Right. And it's, it's cool. Like from your perspective, even to break that down, like we, we may conscious, like unconsciously like see the difference in that, but we don't know specifically what makes them so different. And I think your perception of the two, especially with your marketing background is so key and brings so much consciousness around of, so for people who are on the podcast right now that are getting pushed to pull or push to pull to put out more content that they can pick which one feels more in alignment for them that's one of the things that we yeah. just tell people is like go where it feels yeah, good it, really interesting thing for the audience 
is people think that Charlie D'Amelio was just like a random person that got that blew up all over TikTok. And it was just like, it was coincidental. 100% was intentional. Mm. Like they knew that if we pick somebody to be the poster child, that is a normal, relatable kid from, I think he's from like North Carolina or Char- something over on the East Coast. Uh, but like from an everyday city, like that will get more people to want to be on the platform because they resonate with her rather mm-hmm. than somebody like Kim Kardashian or mm-hmm. somebody that's like a massive, massive, massive global celebrity icon. Um, and you can tell that, like you can tell on the platform that they don't prioritize people like Kim. I'm just using Kim as an example. They're not prioritizing her posts on the algorithm like they are somebody like Charlie, especially when they were starting out. And that is that really pulls people in in the right way because they feel that they're getting something different than something like Instagram. Mm, yes, so good. So there is a huge limiting belief that we have in our community that you need X amount of followers in order to make money on social media. And um, from your expertise, how could you not only help us break this down, but also give us some some tips and tricks for those uh, who are listening, who are manifesting sponsors and brand deals. Yeah, this is a um, this is a really important thing for people to hear um, because people think that you have to have a million followers to really monetize. Then everybody should go look up the story of one thousand true fans. But I'm going to try and reverse kind of engineer it and give you the real reason that people monetize. Uh, or brands pay people to monetize, brands are looking for a couple of different things. One of them is awareness, which means that they want uh, a bunch of people that they don't currently have access to to see their product. Mm. That's awareness. The second thing is conversions, which means they want people to actually buy their product that they don't have access to selling to them already. And then the third thing is just more content. Like they might just need more content. They They don't have somebody that can create it internally. And so when people are working with brands and they're getting paid for posts, the brand that is looking for conversions, you, a lot of the times they're not looking to sell like 50,000 items of like the lipstick or the lip gloss or the hair product or the mm-hmm. t-shirt. They're looking for a certain number to meet what that, um, to meet what they're paying that influencer or that creator. So like, Say they're paying, say the product costs $5 and they're paying the influencer $500. If you sell 50 of those, then you're meeting what they would be paying. And that would be a, a massive success for them. That might, math might've been wrong. I'm not great with math. So follow, try to follow <laughs> me on that. But what I'm saying is if you look at it, the audience that, if, that you are, that you are needing to actually get a brand deal is not in the hundreds of thousands or the millions or even the tens of thousands. If you have a thousand people, 1000 people that when you post a product will buy that product, you have an enormous, enormous business, Mm -hmm. enormous. Like when influencers are posting um, and they have 50,000 or a hundred thousand or 500,000, whatever followers, and they go and they sell 100 of those items, a hundred of them, that is a massive success for the brand for the most part. That is a massive success for the brand and they feel really good with it. That influencer feels good with it. 
If you are a person that has literally 1,500 followers and in that 1,500, 1,000 of them really fuck with you and they mm. will buy that product, you can outsell a majority of the influencers that, are, that have 50,000, 100,000, whatever. So I say all of that to say those metrics that people are talking about are purely vanity. It purely is just people being like, oh, I need X amount of followers to get a brand deal. You don't. What you really need is conviction to be able to articulate to the brand that you're worth, whatever number it is that you're pitching them. Mm. And then if you get paid that and you actually have the audience that cares about it, you have an enormous business. Mm. So what I think people should look for is like, how do I really build a thousand people that will really care about me and buy the things that I'm talking about or go and try them and like check them out. And that from there is enough for me to go to brands and start getting brand deals and really start monetizing and so, you know, I just don't think you need to have a massive, massive number. What you really need is to have massive buy-in from that smaller number. Ah, mm. uh, yes. It's so good. Knowing the numbers, knowing the numbers of how many people are seeing it, what are the conversion rates, and even just you debunking that belief and understanding this, like, the real strategy behind why they even hire influencers helps so much. Um, I'm very curious for those of uh, the listeners who are either just now starting or getting to that point where they want to get sponsors. Um, at what point do you recommend that they do all of the maybe pitching or I'm guessing that's what it's called or hiring somebody else to do it? Um, I think people should start like looking for brand deals when their audience is asking them for more. Mm. Like I think people really try to monetize early, but mm. I think your audience will give you some sort of an inclination of when it's time for you to monetize. I'll give you an example. If you're a beauty blogger and you're doing like makeup tutorials and you're posting makeup every day, but nobody is engaging with it and nobody is commenting and nobody is liking and your views are really low and you don't really have anybody that's actually like asking questions about it. I think it's too early for you to monetize mm. because what happens when you try to monetize anybody that tries to monetize, if it's not 100% authentic and mm -hmm. organic and being asked for is the audience gets turned off to it. And then they're like, Oh, now I don't know when you're doing stuff, if it's an endorsement or if it's actually you caring about it. Mm -hmm. So now there's a less of a trust. And so what I think is for the, for the creator with the audience, I think you should start trying to go and get brand deals when your comment section or your DMs, are getting flooded with questions of people saying, what is that shirt? What is that makeup brush? What is that hair product? What is that food that you're eating? You know, whatever it is, the category that you're in. And it doesn't need to be like you're getting 50 questions a day, but at least people are asking you because that gives you the confidence to go to a brand and be like, hey, I use your hair product. People are asking me about it. I would love to do something for you and like make content around it. But when you go too early, a lot of the times you end up losing that trust with your audience. And that is much, much, much more important than any brand deal and money that you're going to make in the short term. Ah, yay. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And again, giving the signs that you as a personal creator look for, because uh, I know that there's so many people who are in that space right now. They're like, oh, crap, I have that like every single day. And they're not even conscious that that is what brands are looking for. So um, I 
We, as we wrap things up here, I wanted to give you some space to really talk about how you serve uh, creators and how you can help um, that way, but also where are you most present and where can everybody find you? So what I do is there's a couple of different things. First and foremost, I'm a creator myself through and through. That is my, that is definitely my foundation. Um, and I love, love, love making different types of content and putting myself out there in my content itself. So if you want to look up the videos that I'm making, I make videos about things like we just talked about on the podcast, um, how to monetize or, or what you should do with your content, really how to get into it, a little bit of personal development. I try to sprinkle that in there too, and then just some stuff about myself. But that is all at JT Barnett. That's my username that you can find me on all the platforms. Um, and then as a company, what we do is we actually will look for creators to give them full-time opportunities with brands. So to break that down a little bit more for you, for you to understand, a lot of companies out there are looking to put out things on TikTok, videos on TikTok every day, but they just don't know how to. They just really don't understand it. They don't have the time for it. They don't have the resources for it. And so what they do is they come to us and they say, hey, uh, we are a health and wellness drink, a better for you soda company, and we're looking for somebody that can run our TikTok account that loves our product or loves health and wellness, makes health and wellness content already, and would want to be hired as like a representative of our company and like be a full-time creator for us. And so we will actually go and search on TikTok for that creator, mm-hmm. and we'll go and pair them with the brand, and the brand will hire them. So now that creator has a full-time job making TikToks every day for that company. And you don't have to post anything on your own account. You don't have to be an influencer. You can run this brand's account yourself. And you don't even have to literally have a TikTok if you don't want to. You could be completely uh, off the platform. But um, it just is a great way for somebody to make a full-time career out of making content without needing to be an influencer. And I think that's something that a lot of people want to do because I think from Instagram, a lot of people are over the influencer life and needing to be public facing and having to share everything mm. in their life, but they also love making content. And so that's why we started it. Um, so that's a, an, a, an avenue that I'm really enjoying and passionate about. And so if there's anybody that's listening that is like, yo, I want to make content for a company and run their account and do it as a full-time job. Um, that is called creator X. And you can find that uh, also in all of my TikTok. I talk about it a lot, but creatorx.fun, S-U-N is the site, creatorx.fun, where you can get all the information and everything, sign up. We pair you, we try to pair you with a company and like that all goes through creatorx.fun. So those are the two things that I'm like really working on that I think you guys would find interesting. And I'm always available in the DMs for you to hit me with any questions, anything I can help with. I'm here for you. Ah, yes. So beautiful. Yeah. This podcast is a perfect example of how responsive you are. And like we were um, reaching out to you through social media and look what manifested. So JT, I just just want to thank you for stepping into your power and really doing what you're doing now and investing that time and energy into it, because I know that there's people on here who are hooting and hollering right now. 
they're celebrating <laughs> because that is probably what they've been manifesting, right? They want to release a job that's no longer serving them and find something that's more in alignment. And you seeing that need for that space and having those connections really helps so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast right now or watching on YouTube, please, please, please screenshot this episode. Tell us one thing that you got out of it and tag us on Instagram so that we can see your biggest breakthrough. So at Manifesting Money Podcast on Instagram and JT Barnett on your Instagram, right? That's your handle? Yep. Awesome. So yes, I want to thank you again for being on the podcast and for everyone listening. We will see you in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Manifesting Money Podcast. If this episode resonated with you, or shifted your paradigm in any way, shape, or form, please stop what you're doing right now and write us a review. This simple act of kindness helps us get this podcast episode out to as many people as we possibly can. And we also want to know what resonated with you and why. So be sure to join our free Facebook group that you can find in the show notes or tag us on Instagram. Either way, we love when you're in our energy and we love rewarding you for listening to the podcast. When you're ready to truly break down your money blocks and learn how to make money work for you, not the other way around, go to the show notes and learn how you can work with us and join our community of people who are making massive shifts in their finances. Thanks again for tuning into this episode and we cannot wait to share your testimonies. We'll see you in the next episode.